Topping Talks. Five hours a week can't be beat. Welcome to Topping Talks. Topping Talks is a Topping Tribune production. Today's episode is probably sponsored by Topping Technologies and ExpressVPN. Topping Technologies is also on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. Topping Technologies is an IT value-added reseller and services company with a special proficiency in security. Heck, I see their founder at least twice this day. I have to say he's quite handsome and brilliant. If you're a business in Texas that can use a hand, you can reach us at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Also, are you part of the 3.6% of Americans who still care about their privacy? If you are, then perfect ExpressVPN can assist. Even though 96% of stats are made up on the spot, ExpressVPN does give a 100% guarantee via the 30-day back money guarantee. Now, without further ado, I am proud today to say that I'm interviewing Will Mobest, who is the VP of IT at Solera. Thanks so much for coming on the show, bud. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, it's fun to always have a conversation. Absolutely. Especially when it's something uh, about a uh, about a field so exciting as IT. So, Oh, it, yeah. it's a big one, too. <laughs> yeah, uh, ex- extremely, uh, you know, it's extremely diverse. It's like being in the rainforest. <laughs> exactly. And then I know going back a couple of years, I want to thank you for your service. And then going with that note, it also kind of goes into, you know, how did you first get in IT as well? Yeah, um, I uh, my my parents uh, owned a, a small business, and we had um, we had servers that I think were NT four at the time. Oh, so, really? What yeah. kind of business? Uh, they had a bookstore. No way! That's uh, awesome. Yeah, a co- uh, bookstore and a coffee house, and then that morphed into a um, you know a a, a bakery at at some point. So <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So. Um, we had, uh, it was like way back when, but we had a product called Booklog. It was all DOS-based and everything like that. And uh, learned how to network the computers there. Um, and then, yeah, um, uh, my, my dad, uh, my dad uh, was a graduate student at University of Santa Cruz. Um, we always had computers in the house. We always had nice stuff. You know, I remember yeah. one day he came in, I think it was like 1995 or something, 32 megabits, uh, megabytes of RAM. Oh gosh! Yeah, that was the. That was the uh, he he was really proud of, and it was exa- like thinking back on it, that was like five thousand dollars. Holy Moses! Yeah. Five thousand yeah. dollars for me- how much? Thirty was it thirty-two meg? Meg. Meg. Yeah. Yeah. Holy. And right now, to edit the podcast, the computer we built has thirty-two gig right of RAM. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 pretty insane, but you know it's it's cool. You know it's uh, it's cool to see the evolution. Um, and then as, uh, as, uh, as I, uh, you know, kind of continued on, um, yeah, I, uh, I always like doing technical stuff. I actually started out in theater. Oh, really? Um, yeah. It's a little, um, uh, junior college in uh, Ukiah, California, uh, called Mendocino college. Uh, and I was part of their theater arts program for uh, a few months. And, uh, then the 2008 recession hit and, uh, I got a, I was literally on a stage uh, and I got a phone call from a Marine Corps recruiter and he says, Hey, what are you doing with the next four years of your life? And, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the rest is history. So spent uh, four, four years uh, doing that. Um, got to go all around the, uh, the, uh, all around the world and in a bunch of different ways. Um, it's, 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 it, it was a lot of fun. Um, we started, you know, when I when I started uh, back then, it was like I think your, the standard at that point in time was like two thousand server two thousand three. Oh wow! Uh, Windows, Windows Server two thousand three, um, and they just started uh, transitioning everything from XP to, to uh, Windows seven. And by the time I left the Marine Corps, we were already on Windows ten, and they were still kind of trans- uh, uh, transitioning that to to Windows seven. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> so, yeah. So you joined the Marines specifically with uh, IT in mind. Uh, no, um, I, I joined because, uh, I wanted to serve my country. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, uh, my, you know, my grandfather was, uh, um, a Lieutenant in the Navy oh, wow. uh, during World War II. Um, it's something, you know, uh, it's, it's something I think everyone ought to do, um, in some f- form or fashion, um, as, as serve their country because, you know, we, we have such amazing people in, in the country and they need good representation and, uh, you know, we, there's so much negativity out there and stuff like that. It's always good to, uh, 
to see it kind of return to what it's supposed to be, you know, something of pride. So <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. And then what was your first role when you left the core? Uh, when I got, when I got out, um, I worked a couple of different contracting jobs. Um, I, I worked for a small, a couple of small firms. I'm not sure if they're still around anymore. I haven't checked in on them, but, um, I did contracting and, and lots of fun stuff. Um, I was, uh, I was, a uh, yeah, lo- lots of things, <laughs> um, all, all IT related, but, um, yeah, I, uh, I can tell you a funny story uh, that I, I'm sure you'll appreciate. So while I was in school, uh, I had a, or, uh, I, I went to, uh, I, I went to the, um, the, uh, the employment services that they had at the school. Mm-hmm. And, um, there was, uh, an elderly man that had put an ad in and said, Hey, I need help. Uh, I need help setting up an enterprise level, um, an enterprise level infrastructure for a, a chain of ho- hospitals that I own. And I said, Oh, okay. You know, well, that sounds great. So uh, a little bit, uh, a, a little bit of time goes by and he sends me an email. He's like, Hey, can you come meet me at the house? And I said, sure. So I, I drove over uh, and, and, you know, I, I was out of the Marine Corps. I didn't have a job. I was in school, you know, be, or I had, I had my housing allowance. That was about it. And I had, uh, I had my, my, my three kids at the time and my wife you know? and, uh, and, and gas was like, it, it's, it's expensive. You know, uh, it was, I'm, I'm sure it was way cheaper here at that point in time. It was like 2000, maybe 2013, 2012, way, way cheaper than California. Of course. But, <laughs> yeah. Well, all that. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was kind of interesting. So, um, yeah, I, I was on my last tank of gas. I, 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 I drove out and I got to this guy's place and it was in an elderly community. I was like, all right, you know, so maybe he's an eccentric billionaire yeah. living in a retirement community. So what it ended up turning out was that he, uh, he got uh, hooked into an internet scam. You know, the, uh, I've, uh, I, my name is Prince whoever yeah. and i've got 800 million dollars and i want to give it to you yes and uh he was uh, he was absolutely sure oh gosh <laughs> that he he had that money in the bank of nigeria oh no <laughs> so i i i ended up um telling you know uh getting a hold of his family's uh, uh numbers and you know i'm glad i'm glad it was me because i i'm sure people would have just t- kind of taken advantage of him uh, it's, it's really, uh, that that's, yeah, it's really unfortunate, but what they told me is that they, they had given away like about three quarters of, uh, of their inheritance. To, oh God, no. Yeah. Yeah. God. What year is this? This is 2012. Oh, shit. Yeah. So that's devastating. Yeah. It, it was pretty, it was pretty terrible. I mean, but it's, it's. It's things like that, you know. So th- those are the kinds of jobs that I was looking for. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then I got hired by uh, by Prima Water, or uh, then uh, at the time we were, we were Glacier Water. Oh yeah. Uh, and for yeah. the, I was gonna say I love the stories about those companies that they're so big, and yet the average consumer doesn't realize or make that connection. And like, because my whole life I've seen that company, but I didn't realize what was behind or logistics or how big the company really was. Mm-hmm. So a lot of folks who may not realize it, that's basically the company you see at every grocery store and convenience store oh, yeah. everywhere for the bottled water or the, the uh, jugs of water right with those yeah. machines that filled the, up you have the refill machines yeah on the outside and you have the uh, the, in, uh, the refill machines on the inside or the, the the inside yeah um one's one's build in meter the other one is obviously for jug your change yeah <laughs> it's and they're everywhere yeah <laughs> if you if you go to any grocery store i mean I, I'm not sure what it is today, but there's about 35,000 35, different uh, different uh, stores or uh, and stuff that we were in. Oh my gosh! Uh, yeah, yeah. Like we had stuff 000. in Alaska, you know. That, oh really? Yeah, that was that, that was that was pretty cool. So yeah, astonishing. We'd have uh, we'd have a technician fly there from Washington, um, and that that's how I'd end up going and servicing the machines, make sure they they met the the, the standards for climbing and everything like that so yeah it was a lot of fun um i i that that uh 
that business is, is crazy because it's just got an insane reach, right? Oh, it's, it's literally everywhere. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it had brand identity uh, at, at at the time. You know, I, 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 I don't keep in touch with anyone from I, there I, anymore. I, but, I was, yeah. No, I, I was just thinking about you yesterday because I saw the store. Yeah. 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 yeah um, <laughs> so um, then we got acquired by Prima Water uh, in 2016. Um, and, uh, that, that was pretty, that was pretty interesting. Um, they, the, you know, in terms of data processing and stuff like that, there was a real investment once we, once we got bought in the infrastructure. So that was really cool to see. Yeah, what, what was that funny story about upgrading the megabytes or upgrading that one connection? I'm trying to remember. Oh yeah. The, the, uh, yeah. So our Canada stack used to run on a, um, it used to run on a dial-up modem, 56k dial-up modem. Our entire Canada. Oh my gosh! And what, what year is this again? Uh, it's 2015, or 20, <laughs> 20, 20, 2014 to twenty. <laughs> oh no, sixteen. <laughs> they were still using dial-up. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it was pretty. It was pretty <laughs> gnarly. But they, they, you know, um, that it was a really fun, fun business to work for. I, I had a lot of fun. Learned a lot of things there. So that's actually um, where. Um, uh, you know, I, I've always been a, a scripter and a, and a developer that way, but that's kind of where, um, I got to, got to really take off. So, um, that's, I learned how to do QA, learned how to, you know, write SQL. Now, uh, obviously it's something that I'm ex- insanely passionate about now. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's great. Data, data is what makes a business work. So absolutely nice to be on that. Nice to have your hands on something like that. Oh, absolutely. And I got to be on the ground floor of all the networking and stuff like that that, that goes into um, collecting that data. So, and how was it like coordinating all those sites and all those machines with, I mean, not just, you know, the inventory level, but also the cash and credits, all the processing? What kind of process, what, what kind of logistical triumph was that to take on? It, it, it was, I mean, it's, it's an insane, it, it, like if you saw it, it's like uh, what I imagine is like being inside of FedEx, right? Oh yeah, because everything goes in at you know five o'clock their time and goes out in Kentucky yep. at, at one <laughs> at one particular yeah. uh, time. Uh, but it's 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 it was really uh, really amazing, honestly. Um, so you know, we'd have the cash collection that would all all happen. We had that's all, a, I all mean, a lot of people don't realize that's a huge logistics in and of itself. Yeah, like most. I think when it comes to retail and a lot of these companies, most people outsource it to that, like uh, to a business like Brinks, where they have those armored cars they go around and they'll do that for you. Mm-hmm. Of course, they charge you a percent or fee for that service. But you guys are doing it um, all in house at the time, right? Yeah. But basically, what would happen is like all the cash would come in. Mm-hmm. They would go to the count centers. They'd be counted. Um, that count would get sent into our back office. This is all manual processes. All manual. Holy. Yeah, so we'd produce a, a CSV at the end, right? And that oh, yeah. would get loaded in. Um, yeah. And that's how we did our cash accountability. So it was really, really a lot of fun um, to, to learn that part, uh, part of the business. So once we, uh, once we started, um, uh, once, once Primo bought us, um, there was a big push to actually take um, and automate that process in its entirety. So we could tell which machines were performing, right? Mm-hmm. How much cash we were expecting and what we should expect to see on the back end. So it was yeah. transformational. So I got to, I got to write a good chunk of the, the, the uh, I got to write all of the routing pieces. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, uh, that, that consumed our routing platform uh, we, from, from our, uh, we, we, they would do our routing and then they would produce a file and, I, I developed the, the consumption and um, all the assignment that would go out. So people would have their route sheets on their handheld as opposed to, you know, having to remember where 5,000 machines are. Oh, geez. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it was, yeah, it, it was a, it was insane. I mean, those, those guys were going in, uh, doing all of the preventative maintenance on the inside, making sure everything was clean and sanitized. Changing out the filters and kind yeah. of operating. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, it's an, it's like, if you, if you know, what's on the inside of those, it's a, like basically like a little mini water plant. Yeah. It, it's designed to take potable water, mm-hmm. but honestly, it, uh, you know, it, it could probably, 
it could probably sustain. I, I, I don't know. You know, yeah. I'm not a, I'm not a water quality specialist, but it's 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 pretty insane. So like have a gigantic 40, uh, 40, 100 gallon. I can't remember what the, the inside of it is, but it's, it's pretty substantial amount of water on the inside of that thing. And uh, yeah, you know, it was, it was good for the customers and, and good for the business. So it was a lot of, a lot of, um, a lot of cool stuff on the inside of that thing. Yeah, absolutely. And what was your favorite part of work, about working there? Uh, honestly, uh, the, there's an insane amount of ability to, um, to, to affect change. And I think that that's the, that's the coolest thing about some small, big companies. Right. Right. <laughs> oh yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's, I always tell people like a lot, some folks, they, they would rather work in a big business or a small business. And I always tell folks, you know, small business, one of the advantages is yes, they're, they're going to demand more from you, but, it also gives you a little bit more freedom to go outside your traditional job description mm -hmm. where you can have those fun exercises of growing and developing because you do have to take on those new challenges and you have the freedom to make some decisions about you know, product review or policy writing. And I think that's when a lot of people grow the most is when they're given the positions to and the opportunities to take on those types of assignments to go above and beyond and find new solutions and add more value to the company than the company could ever imagine. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's that's a good point, you know. Uh, it's funny because the the team that built the majority of the stack uh, was still there. It, oh really? Yeah, um, they're uh, you know I, I don't know if the guy is still around, uh, but but um, he designed the inside of the machine. He uh, did all the microcontrollers for all the processing. Helped integrate the, the dollar bill validator and everything cool. like that. So yeah, it was it was really cool uh, to see the the entire product. To, come together and that's and that's especially unique too because i mean a lot of machines they'll have third-party card readers like i know Genico is a really major player in you know pos systems and they also have some little units that they slap on like coke and pepsi machines mm -hmm. so like a lot of those machines will have a third party but you guys actually did your own as well um, for the bill author uh, yeah. the bill checks the uh no this is this is uh just on the the machine itself oh, so yeah, the, like the, we, yeah we, we had a third party as well yeah. oh okay, we, yeah, gotcha. we did ours through uh Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, they're they're based in Israel, but they um, they have a fantastic product as well. Awesome. Yeah. And then, what made you or what inspired you to pivot and go teach for a little bit? Because I, I remember your, your next major role was at at the professors at university. Um, well, I, uh, I I I taught at uh, Miracosta College, uh, which is a great uh, community college um, in, in California. Um, I I did that in tandem. Um, I, I. Oh wow. Yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. So basically, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, or Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, uh, I, uh, there was one point where I was teaching three classes. I would get off work, off from those days, and go directly to class. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, um, and the, the uh, at the time, I, I the, the administration was like, well, you know, they got to be longer classes because you're not doing it two times a week. Mm -hmm. So we it would be a four hour block. You know. And oh my just, gosh! Yeah. Four hour class. Yep. Holy. So I would, you know, we'd talk about the concept for the first hour mm -hmm. and then I would roll into lab. It's, it's, it's insanely gratifying, but the, the gentleman that actually um, got me the job, who's my friend and mentor, his name is Martin Parks. Um, he's the one who encouraged me to start teaching. He said, I think you have the right temperament for this. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't know if that's necessarily true. <laughs> no, I mean, it's insanely gratifying. I mean, um, I've been fortunate enough to be able to hire students. Um, uh, and it's been a, an exceptional, I mean, besides the, the, the talent pool, it's been an exceptional, uh, exceptionally gratifying um, yeah, experience. You have, you have people that have, are, are working, you know, uh, low skill jobs and then they, they suddenly level up. It's like, oh, you know. Uh, I'm worth a, a lot more in terms of my my economic output now because I took, you know, two years of time, or in some cases, you had some some uh, some of those freak students who would go like, yeah, I'm taking 25 units. Oh my because, gosh! <laughs> you know, and uh, yeah, they they complete, you know, super super early. Yeah, and that uh, that's that's it's it's actually really cool. I mean, you you see the whole life cycle of hey, I was. Working as a barista, not, not that there's any 
for anything wrong with the barista, <laughs> yeah. but it's not a high paying job, right? It's not, it's not high technical skill. Um, and then you see them, you know, two, three years later and they're, you know, a sock or a senior sock analyst, you know, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's, it's insane. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a ton of, ton of, uh, it's a, a soft fulfillment. Yeah. I mean, it's incredibly gratifying. I, one of the reasons I used to, when I was younger and I still worked at corporate America, I kind of had this idea. I really want to be a sales manager just because I would have so much fun and gratification when I was teaching the new hires, like how to do processes, you know, how to improve your skills. And it felt great. And I loved that part um, when I was teaching the new hires, but it didn't pan out in that uh, particular company. They didn't have any routes for internal employees at the time. But I love that feeling of, you know, just kind of teaching people how they can prove themselves and just, I feel like people just need to be reminded. I mean, you are in control of your own destiny. And, I mean, just oh, yeah. if you hustle hard enough, you will achieve great things. It's just it, like, I forgot this. There's a funny quote or stats like, you know, 96% of your success is determined by the guy you see every day in the mirror. I mean, right. And I love those stories where, you know, you're working as barista, you want to increase your value or increase your paycheck or skill set. So you go out there, you learn entirely different skill set with computers and technologies. That's awesome. I mean, that's, I feel like we need to have more of that encouragement uh, in society these days. Yeah. Um, there, there's something to it, you know, so, um, my, my dad didn't finish his graduate degree and he spent his, uh, his life in public service. And, uh, what was, I, what was he doing in public service? Uh, it's funny because, you know, uh, now I'm the VP of IT for Solera yeah. and, uh, you know, we have fleet management and stuff like so my dad helped too. Um, my, my dad was a, a an auditor for a motor carrier specialist. Oh, really? Go through and uh, do do auditing for um, for the CHP uh, mm-hmm. and, and the federal government to oh, wow. ensure commercial trucking. Uh, we're, we're doing their the, everything that they're supposed to. So mm-hmm. it's funny because now all the automation and stuff like that, the, mm-hmm. the uh, and and products that we have at Solera <laughs> are are you know geared around. Uh, or not all of them, but a good chunk of them, of them. Yeah. Yeah. Are, are geared around that. And it's, it's cool to see. So, like, I knew about IFTA and the Federal, uh, Federal Motor Carrier uh, spe- uh, Guidelines. Or, yeah. Right. Uh, the F- F- FCMSA or something like that. Yeah. Federal Motor Carrier uh, Specialist uh, Act. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I was gonna say association, but yeah, it acts. Yeah, there's so many acronyms in IT and law and government. It's it's yeah. hard to keep track. I can't. <laughs> yeah, well, so you know, it's it's it's. I, I knew what that was because my dad um, uh, uh, was constantly doing it. So. <laughs> so he would he would make sure people are in compliance with that because it keeps people safe. Yeah. Um, so we uh, at Solera, we've got like uh, one of our big projects in the fleet management space is electronic law. Uh, electronic log delivery right mm-hmm. that's my dad did oh really yeah did, used to go through <laughs> and review the paper books and go okay why were you working 14 hours or or, yeah. or, or why were you working 16 hours or you know and, and a lot of people are, for folks who don't know about kind of the standards and the laws is there are federal laws about how right. you, you cannot work a certain amount of hours because you're on the public roads and mm-hmm. so a lot that is yeah I mean, and it's if for you the, get caught it's for the safety of everyone involved yeah. oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know, we, especially if you have like a long run, like we, uh, my dad used to have a company that he would audit that would go from, uh, it would go from California to, to Texas mm-hmm. and then from Texas to um, so, somewhere on the East Coast. I don't remember the, the state in particular, but um, that first stretch is uh, 18 hours. Oh, really? So you would have, they would have to have at least one stop, one rest period between yeah. But you, Texas. <laughs> it would be really tempting to just do it one stretch because a lot oh, of people yeah. don't realize like, like for folks out in the industry, like if you're a trucker, you're paid per the mile. And a lot of them are entrepreneurs. Like they're they, some, if they're lucky or they're fortunate, they own their own trucks. So mm-hmm. they're, they're very invested in you know, finishing those trips as soon as possible because possible, when you're sleeping, you're not making money. Right. So, I mean, I think I've done, uh, granted it's apples and oranges. I was driving a stick shift, little four-door sedan, but like or even my Honda, but like I've driven, you know, 12, 14 hours and, it starts to get to you just in a car. If you have a truck, that's yeah, that's a new immeasurable amount of more distress weight, and you know, obviously, your reaction times are that much more important because you're not just breaking, you know, a couple thousand pound vehicle. You got a huge truck. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've 
you think about it, people people want to get home to their families in that entire life cycle, right? And and you you absolutely have to um, you know do things safely. It's just not. Yeah. It's 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 not worth uh, anyone's life or time to 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 get overworked and uh, and, and potentially cause an accident. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, especially those size of vehicles, the accidents oh, yeah. are that much more dangerous. Yeah, you, you have something that's five tons and moving at yeah. uh, uh, 60, 75 miles an hour or yeah, whatever the governors know. are set at these days. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's that's a lot of mass. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So. And actually, so going to Solera, what, what first inspired you uh, to join the company? Um, uh, you know, the, uh, the the standard response is that money is uh, is used to procure goods and services, but no, um, honestly, um, I was enjoying what I was doing at the, the company that I worked for before mm-hmm. uh, at Reliant Funding. Um, the problem is, is that uh, the, the the culture had shifted during um, the acquisition during during COVID. Oh, okay. <laughs> and uh, you know, it's it's always good to uh, to to explore other options when when things become, start to become incompatible with how you. How you like to operate, and and they were incredibly, um, incredibly gracious and everything like that. And um, that, that's a great company. Not, nothing. Uh, I think it was more in the IT group than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the that was the that was the main motivator. Um, I had a fantastic time working there. I got to do a lot of fun stuff. Um, I got to build a lot of fun stuff from the ground up. But you know, there comes a certain point where you know that your terminal velocity is has been reached. Yeah, <laughs> and and I was ready for something else. And then subsequently, what inspired you to choose Solera and move to Texas because you were in California before, which is kind of like night and day. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, not not necessarily. Oh. Um, I think there's a lot of parallels here. Um, I see more more commonality than differences. Um, uh, same same good folks working. Mm-hmm. You know, hard, hardworking folks here that you have in California. It's just a little bit more um, compact. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's 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 all. You know, uh, I, I love Texas. Texas is Texas is a great place to live. Oh yeah. Um, cost of living is way way cheaper here. Oh. So that's, that <laughs> yes. was one of the motivators. So and I've I've got a bunch of kids. So. Um, I would like to retire early if I can. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Well, come to Texas is that's a yeah. darn good I mean, way to I, help. <laughs> it was like giving myself a fifteen hundred dollar raise. Yeah. In comparison, so. Oh, absolutely. I mean, just st- income tax alone, and then of course the cost of literally everything from gasoline to to uh, grocery. You know, honestly, uh, I would say that. So, um, I lived in a place where we had like nine percent uh, sales tax um, because the city council, rather than Rather than attaching it to a property tax, mm-hmm. uh, attach it to sales tax. You can go and buy something else somewhere else, right? right? But if you're in that island, right, the convenience is what's going to get you. <laughs> True. Which is which which is a better way, I think, of, of of you know give people give people choice. I mean, obviously we need good schools and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know the the taxes are just, but um, yeah, yeah, the. Uh, I remember I looked down at my receipt because I had been in the neighboring town and I was like, why is it so expensive? 7.5 over here. And then I pulled up my, I bought the same thing and I looked over and I was like, 9.2. Oh. <laughs> so sales tax is different here. So, yeah. It, that drives, I mean, that drives a lot of business decisions. I remember um, yeah. my parents are, well, they grew up in the Midwest and like, remember Cook, Cook County, Illinois passes some a different nuanced sales tax, which of course they used to increase. And then they noticed a bunch of their, their revenue actually went down because a lot of const- the big industry was, you know, housing and construction. So all the contractors just drive, you know, 15 minutes outside the County, mm. just go to a home Depot outside there and spend, a, you know, you're saving 2% on your, you know, spending fifty hundred thousand dollars That adds up. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, there, there's uh there, there's definitely a benefit to, um, to, to being here. Texas, Texas has some, Really great things about it. Um, I, uh, I, I mean, it's the people are friendlier here. Uh, I th- I would say that they're more genuine in their distaste for each other. So that, that's that's always uh, uh, a good quality because at least you know where you stand with most people. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. So. 
um that's that's yeah i mean that's it's it's a nice place out here um, oh yeah great place for his family too yeah yeah um we've got our little place out in the country and big a little bit of acreage and yeah nice nice big house so. that's a dream yeah <laughs> Now, if only the property taxes would get well. That, that's that's why you need to buy at least ten sheep or ten goats or two cows. We that... cannot have any livestock in our. Oh, you can't. Yeah, it's a city ordinance. Oh no. Every so like it's funny because we're in like this little island. Yeah. Where everyone else has sheep. And oh, but you <laughs> yeah. don't. Yeah. Because oh. that's that's the funny thing. Like a lot of folks, a lot of a couple of my friends have the ag or agricultural exemption, <laughs> or the livestock exemption. Like here's look, he was showing me the laws. He's like, oh yeah, you need to have. If you have like 10 goats or something, then it qualifies. So then instead of having to pay 50 grand a year in property tax, you only to pay like, I think it was like under 50 bucks, like a comically small amount of money. Yeah. I was like, so that's why Hewlett Packard, HPE and EDS have used to have Buffalo at the whole yeah. t- at the old headquarters in Plano. I was like, why on earth do they have a Buffalo? It's, oh, that's why. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, and, and, you know, the, the thing is, is that whenever you have, uh, you know any kind of economic contraction like that where you have prices go up you're just you people are people are gonna want to get unencumbered of course oh, yeah. yeah that's why businesses are coming here yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. oracle is coming here oh yeah great. yeah every tech many of the tech companies are relocating here whether they're telling people or not like i know um crowdstrike moved to texas but they didn't they you had to look at like a subreddit it was hard to find the data but technically and legally their headquarters is out in austin Although, granted, they still obviously have a huge office and a huge presence in uh, Sunnyvale. I think that's where the old headquarters was. But, like, yeah, they moved to Texas. Oracle moved to Texas. HPE moved to Texas. And every tech company at least has an office or yeah. footprint in Austin. And that trend is just going to keep accelerating because, I mean, especially with... Yeah, it's good for me. I mean, yeah. I, 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 you know, uh, that's, 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 I think it's good for everyone, honestly. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I... I, I, I I think the technologies that are coming out here are really uh, are, are going to change the landscape of Texas from the standpoint of you know like I I grew up in Santa Cruz which is you know uh, about an hour outside of Palo Alto maybe an hour and a half mm-hmm. um, you know those those home brews and stuff like that I'm sure will come here because right. people people have a fierce sense of independence here which is great um, and they, they 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 have a it's a it's a work based economy, which is which is pretty amazing. Um, so I'm I'm expecting lots of innovation to come out. Of oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's there's a there's a lot more opportunities for everyone. I mean, some people are saying, oh, some people are you know worried that it's increasing the price of housing, but I mean, it's also driving our economy, and ha- you're going to have more people innovating and more businesses starting. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be more businesses to sell to. So there's a lot of opportunity too. If you the glass is half full, if you squint hard enough. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, and and the thing is, is that you know, if you think about it from an economic uh, pr- perspective, right? We 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 live in a Keynesian model right now, and if we if we think what, about what is that for the lame, in layman's terms for the folks who might not that's be the demand based economy. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's that's the. Um, so, yeah, demand is driving a lot of. Where our, our 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 prices are at right now, but they do level out once the supply meets meets a certain threshold. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you'll see it in housing. I hope. Oh, hopefully, knock on wood. Housing will go down yeah. someday. <laughs> uh, I mean, and, and and the thing is, is like you know uh, what I noticed in California is that um, like I grew up on a street with a bunch of little families and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and we had a big. I'm one of eight kids, so uh, we we had. We had a fairly large family for uh, for, for California, um, but what you'd see is that um, those those little families weren't there anymore after yeah. a certain point, and then you had the hipsters kind of roll in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, you can only we, we had the school there in Santa Cruz who have UCSC, which is a fine and prestigious school. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's it's really. Uh, it's really sad, honestly, because you know then, then there's a lot of of, of shift, you know. Oh yeah, and uh, and and people aren't from there anymore. Like I'm yeah. from there. <laughs> yeah, I, I grew up. I grew. I grew up. Uh, you know, um, off of off of Mission Street. Mm. You know, but 
if you were to try and buy the house that I was born in, it would cost you four million bucks. Four million? Yeah. Holy and it was 1992. I think it was a hundred and or no, it was three hundred and twenty thousand. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Talk about lost opportunity. I should have bought land there yeah. twenty years <laughs> when I was born. Like, yeah. Oh my gosh! <laughs> it's it's things like that. So um, there's there's good things about it, and there's 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 good things about the influx and bad things. Yeah. Right. But you know, I think the positives outweigh we outweigh the negatives for sure. I agree. It's just going to make Texas that much better. I mean, if you discount the Nasdaq, which is why New York is one of the biggest GDPs, Texas usually is neck and neck with California throughout the years, but this is going to propel us that much further. So I think, I mean, certainly within our lifetime, Texas will be number one in U.S. GDP, I think. Uh, There's so many companies moving here. There's, you know, yeah, it, it's possible. I'll, I'll, it'll be a toss-up between California and Texas, for sure. Yeah. I mean, California's got the seventh largest, or the seventh I think largest it's, economy in the world. Yeah, because I was reading about the... Um, automotive gas ban and they were saying how the automotive market in the globe is the 10th largest automotive market on the planet mm -hmm. which just is, in california which is huge yeah state. just one yeah. state 10th largest on the planet yeah, yeah. i mean Cal california is a great place i know I, I know that there's a lot of uh, uh a lot of uh different vitriol out there about <laughs> californians and their their mentalities when they come here to texas to texas but i i mean most of the people, um, I, I would say, are are nearly identical. I mean, oh, yeah. it's it's there's there's more commonality there than anything else. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and kind of going back to my my terrible ADHD is the worst. But kind of going back to Slur, what was your favorite part when you first started working there? What was the what, oh well, what, what was that got you excited? Change, about it? <laughs> yeah. Change. Everything is change. You know, that's that's the thing. So we have such a ridiculously plentiful. Uh, portfolio, uh, you know, I mentioned the rainforest, right? Yeah, I would say Solera is 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 definitely you know Madagascar if that's the <laughs> if that's the case. There's just an insane opportunity to to, to grow inside of the company. It, it's so diverse too. It, it it's yeah. pretty diverse if you get to reach a small town in Iowa. It's like when when I was after college, one of my first jobs was selling cars in a small town in Iowa, and we used your software yeah. when I was working there. <laughs> yeah, it's funny when I was at uh, Glacier Water. Yeah. Our routing software is now RoadNet, which is oh really yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that integration that I that I developed between yeah. the 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 CSV files that that used to spit out, um I, yeah we were a customer so it's kind of it's kind of <laughs> small fun. world yeah <laughs> so it's 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 insane uh, it, um yeah if you've bought a car right you've probably yeah. used one of our systems yeah so it's it's cool. Um, and I guess for the layman's terms or the folks who might not be, it's kind of like the CRM or, you know, like Salesforce, but for car dealerships in, in uh, some way. But, but it's so much more than that. Uh, in layman's <laughs> terms, though. like In, in, in layman's terms, yeah. I would say that it's the complete lifecycle management of the vehicle, yeah. uh, for either commercial or, or, or personal. Mm -hmm. It's like legitimately every sector of what your car does from its maintenance to uh, tracking what it does, what your drivers are doing. And, and everything like that, all of that. Which is invaluable because a lot of people don't realize prior to COVID and the crazy prices with cars, traditionally, a lot of dealerships would make a majority of their profit off the life cycle of the vehicle with mm -hmm. the oil changes and the vehicle parts. Mm -hmm. So a lot of those cars like are terrible for dealerships in terms of fiscally. Like when I worked in car sales, they were selling the Chevy Cruze, which I guess they still sell now. But at the time, the, the economics of the car was so bad, like the profit margin, because it's, price to be you know for you know someone's trying to get their first vehicle maybe there's and we would lose 432 dollars on average on every one of those vehicles sold the only way sales reps made any money was because gm would give you like a hundred dollar gift card mm -hmm. and the mom and pop dealership i worked at the only reason they ever made money on those vehicles was financing accessories and then the life cycle of the vehicle with the oil changes and the parts that you inevitably inevitably need throughout the life cycle of the vehicle but and of course, you know, GM is just praying you come back and buy a truck or SUV where then they, they actually do make money. But yeah, without having a software to properly track that, I mean, all these companies, would be, they'd be losing their shirts on these vehicles. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it, it really drives a lot of value for, for all of our customers. Um, you know, besides the safety aspects of fleet management, you know, we've got a, a ridiculously large dealer portfolio, portfolio, bunch of uh, customized 
uh, dealer products that, that really do drive a lot of value. I mean, it's, 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 it's good for us, but it's really great for them. Yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 uh, it's a fantastic place to work uh, and learn. I mean, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a macrocosm. Um, so Solera tip, traditionally was like a, like a holding company before, and now we're, we're Solera. Yeah. So um, that's, that's, that's the big change. So there used to be a bunch of individual subsidiaries, and they've yeah. all, kind of all collapsed down into one. Uh, we're, we're in the process. Yeah. So there's, that's, that's what attracted me to the, the I think to it's the a good new challenge, yeah. yeah. Um, it's all good. I can ask you, what do you guys like to do outside the office? Uh, you know, honestly, uh, this is going to surprise you, right? Um, I'm from California, and uh, I actually was in a scholastic shooting program. So I like to shoot shotgun and um, and, and kill clays. That's uh, that's one of my favorite pastimes, and I like to read. Oh, that's awesome! So, I, so what's the scholastic shooting program? Is that for um, collegiate or high school or uh, high school? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, um, I got my uh, I, I still have it. I got uh, 50 out of 50. That's uh, you serious? Yeah. So the, that's phenomenal. The, if you ever shoot in a, in a, on a, um, at, at the, at any level, at the Olympic level, mm -hmm. there's basically like this half moon shape and you have a bunch of positions that you shoot from. Mm -hmm. It's like five positions. Yeah. So you shoot every, every position mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun. So it's five. incredibly difficult too. I, I, I try to do it and I swear I, I do good or bad depending. There's too many variables, but like sometimes I'll shoot left-handed, I'll do really good, and then sometimes I'll miss everything, and I'll shoot right-handed, and I'll do really good, and then I'll miss everything. Like I'm left-handed, but right-eye dominant, so that doesn't help either. But a lot of people don't realize that's one of the most difficult sports out there is shooting clays. It's you gotta get your timing right, and oh yeah, oh, a, a clay pigeon moves way faster than a, than, than a bird. Oh yeah, you can you can hit a bird like. You can you can you can like accidentally hit a bird. Yeah, not, <laughs> yeah. Not, not quite shooting a fish in the barrel, yeah. but close. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, the pattern on a on a modified choke is about that big. Yeah. Um. So you're there's a there's a ton of variables. You know, I bet it is. Um. You have to shoot with both eyes open. Your depth perception is. Yeah, I I need to get better on that. I. It's hard because like when you shoot a rifle, right? You look yeah. at sights. You know, you have a tendency to close both your eyes, but you have to shoot open so yeah. you have full depth perception but know which picture sight picture is the right one yeah so i was also a combat uh i i i uh also was a uh shooting coach in the in the marine corps oh you serious so, yeah oh cool um so it's it's one of my passions um i i really really enjoy it so in, what kind of stuff were you shooting the marines for that was the course just um specifically for one platform of weapon or rifle or oh yeah was I mean, it's just uh, the the uh yeah just 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 the m16 oh cool um, we did pistol qual too, so the Beretta M9. Oh yeah, legendary. Oh, not, not my favorite. Thing. Le legendary in terms of they won that contract, which made the company infamous for the U.S. market. <laughs> I mean, for better or worse. No, I, I mean, I, I, I've had Beretta <laughs> shotguns and everything like that. What I'm saying is, is that you have to think about um, from a life cycle management standpoint. Mm. Like you've got in in the First Marine Division uh, at division, you have 1,500 people. Okay. Mm -hmm. And all those 1,500 people are going to wear on those weapons. And when new people come, they don't replace their weapon. Yeah. They, you get the next weapon. <laughs> you, you hand it to the next guy, essentially. So it's a, it's, yeah, you, they've got a lot of wear and tear. Oh, yeah. So, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, if you, I'm, I'm sure if you have like a Beretta M9, you know, and, and you're shooting it yourself, right, yeah. through its entire life cycle, it'd be fine. But those are like a, like, uh, a pressure cooker, you know, of, oh, yeah. of people putting their hands on on each one of those weapon systems. So. I never liked the trigger pull either. To me, it was the trigger pull like just feels like you're pulling it for a mile. Yeah, like it uh, just... <laughs> that's an adjustment. You know, yeah, that you you can you can have made. But yeah, um, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. I, I that's that's something I like to I like to read a lot too. So um, it's it's a uh, yeah uh, it's. Details matter. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the reason why. So um, I, I remember we were talking. Uh, I think it was the other day about the the uh, 
Oh yeah, the the Tolkien fiasco. Yeah, or the, yeah. Yeah. So Amazon spent about one billion dollars. So they they spent four hundred sixty five million, I believe, but they plan on spending a billion for the first season of, is it Rings of R- Rings of Power? Yeah. Thank you. Yes, Rings of Power, so, which is a technically. So it was so weird with the. I was reading the legality of a lot of people don't realize. So Lord of the Rings, that's the original one written by J.R. Tolkien, and they made the movies. But Amazon came in, and the way in which the royalty agreement it cannot be a continuation of the original trilogy it had to be a prequel so i mean prequels usually aren't as popular to begin with but they also there are a lot of nuances to the contract that they agreed with with i believe it's the grandson of jr token or the, uh, yeah. the family estate he's in charge of it um so Tolkien actually sold the the music for, or the I'm, I'm sorry not music the movie rights back in the 50s oh my gosh yeah because he said it was impossible. Really? Yeah. If you read uh, that the uh, uh, that um, letter to John Ackerman's letter to to Tim, mm-hmm. he he basically goes through and evis- eviscerates uh, Zimmerman's uh, uh, interpretation of his work. You know. Oh my uh, god. So it, it's it's pretty it's and in in an insanely uh, articulate well well placed you know yeah everything that he it's a 30 page letter okay oh my gosh that's 30 that's pages how, yeah. he was like I, i'm not going to miss an opportunity there's a section in there um where he talks about how the story is lost when something is contracted right agree so yeah details matter right oh absolutely yeah and it, it's just even the movies that came out are you, are you a fan of the, of the movies or, uh the, 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 specifically the, the jackson the, yeah uh, yeah oh yeah yeah um See the thing is, is that there is some fidelity there. That's the that's the that's the difference. I really think is that um, from and I haven't watched The Rings of Power or anything like that. I don't I don't have an opinion about them. But often what I see in the adaptations, like if you look at the Rankin Bass uh, one from nineteen seventy uh, nineteen seventy seven, the the Hobbit version, right? It's still in the formula of the of the original book right yeah. and that's that's the problem that i see i think that's why people get upset yes yeah. you're you've divided from what we know from the text and and to tolkien fans the details absolutely matter they yeah. matter <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah i mean uh, i mean i've seen i've seen little excerpts here and there mm-hmm. but uh what you see is the um when you have that de- departure right mm-hmm. what you see is that uh that the elements that are in place are um are insanely uh just out of character for what the actual writing is mm-hmm. and that's that's really where they where the where, where people get upset so. i mean I part of me doesn't think it's possible to have a exceptional movie adaptation because like i had the same thing when i was reading aragon mm-hmm. like i love those books so much i refused to see the movie just because i knew it was going to miss the details and just part of your imagination is taken away once someone else defines it for you mm-hmm. and part of the magic of a lot of books i feel is it's in your imagination you're putting the imagery together yourself whether it's and then say with the harry Potter books i mean movies are great but all the true uh, all the real hardcore enthusiasts have you know, they've read the books they know those details that mean a lot to them and but they didn't make the director's cut or they didn't make it on the the writing table mm-hmm. and it's just you really miss those things as a, as a hardcore fan right right it's like yeah i mean that, that's that's the thing it's uh um it's like uh, uh taking a picture of an object like if we took a picture of that can of water right? yeah right but that that's the that it's not the same as as touching the can of water yeah <laughs> it's a facsimile of what you're seeing so i i think the the peter jackson films kind of do a better job of being making close. that more <laughs> tangible right yeah maybe the lettering's not there maybe some yeah. of the the elements but the core or some of the elements aren't exactly defined but it's still true truer yeah <laughs> no I agree i mean but it's just like when I was a kid, like one of my favorite Harry Potter books was the very first one is the Sorcerer's Stone. Mm-hmm. And when they go into the caverns, I'll never forget. Like, for, I guess I was going to say for those who don't know, but people have to know who Harry Potter is by now. But you got, you know, Harry Potter, Ron Weasley and Hermione Granger. And Hermione's the smartest one. And 
they all fall into this ring. I'm Bush. My family's going to laugh at me because we used to know it so well, but they fall down a passage where they're all being constricted by this plant. So Harry and Ron are you're stuck in the plants and the only way to get the plants to release people so they don't um, be crushed to death is you need fire. Mm-hmm. And they're like, where are we going to get fire? And, you know, and Hermione's freaking out like, where do we get fire? And Ron goes, you're a witch, aren't you? Just use your wand. And it's just so hilarious because it's so out of character for the smartest person not to realize the simplest solution is literally in your hand. Right. And like my whole family cracked up. We had, a, I mean, we love that passage of the book, but it didn't make the direct, it didn't make it into the movie. Right. So like when we saw the movie, we were intuitively a little sad. It did, like our, one of the moments that meant the, the most to us didn't make it to the silver screen. Yeah. So I think, I mean, you can get. And it's, it's hard to do. I mean, yeah. it's phenomenally hard to, to to do an adaptation. It's it's not like, you know, because because details do matter. Right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, I mean, personally, I just I was reading, you know, 25, 26, 30 minutes a day, and usually you know business or philosophy, but and sometimes fantasy. But like, I just know it's it's always going to be just so much more gratifying to read it yourself, as to opposed to just you know watching it straight off. The TV or straight oh nowadays you only know, have TVs really I guess you have computers and streaming but still you know straight off of someone else's idea yeah <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> but I know you gotta get going thank you so much for coming on podcast yeah, but yeah, I appreciate yeah. it and thank you for your service well I appreciate Thanks. it man thank you everyone for listening Topping Talks is also on YouTube Spotify Google Podcast Apple Podcast and Stitcher don't forget to subscribe like comment tell your family tell your friends tell your any enemies heck tell anyone just stay safe you have a great day.